Dawson. Drop that beat to start the episode. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. I'm 42 years old. I'm a divorcee. And the most important thing in the world to me is my five-year-old son. And teaching him integrity, you know, all values, um, the same values I have, um, honoring commitment, you know, the, the, a lot of the things that my ex didn't value. Uh, so we were already married 10 years and one day my spouse rolled over in bed and into somebody else's vagina. Um, now I don't have any hard feelings about it, but what it taught me are, um, the things that I value in a marriage or in a partnership and what I also don't want in a partnership, in a marriage. See, when you've been married long enough, sometimes, especially if you're unhappy, you almost become numb and like robotic. When I filed for a divorce, I took the time I needed to get right to this very moment. I got in therapy, I doubled down on religion, work, a lot of things. And I like me. I do. I like me. So it's unfortunate that very recently I found myself lowering the bar to meet people. And I have a feeling that there are other people out there that have probably done the same thing. That's why I wanted to make this video. Because I'm a pretty strong and independent woman and confident. So if I've done it, I know other people have done it. And we probably all don't talk about it because there's some kind of shame associated with it. Because the older we get, the harder it is to meet, mix, mingle, and um, get to know one another, right? And it's scary. But I'll say this. We already know what we don't want in a relationship. So do yourself a favor. Usually, our inner voice tells us if something's amiss right off the bat, like right off rip. You already know what you don't want. So, don't lower the bar. It's okay to hold out and wait for what you do want. You'll know. You'll know. Don't do what I've recently done. Lowering the bar, accepting less, waiting for them to tell you what they're willing to give you, no thanks. When two people go for a walk, someone sets the pace and then someone keeps up with it. Set the pace. Her words ring true. Many of you ladies sometimes may dismiss me delivering the message. She's telling you directly what I've been telling you all along. Those of you who have been in long-term relationships and marriages, you don't take that break sometimes to work on yourself. She has done the work. She knows what she wants and doesn't want. She got back her identity. She got back who she is. She got back her self-respect, her integrity. Now, here are some things that I would really take issue with. Even though she's done all this great work, going to therapy, getting back to her values, nothing's wrong with that. But you notice what she did. She got back out on the dating scene and realized that I got to lower my standards again in order to fit in. And then she had to catch herself again. Now, the reason why she did that was because 
she reminded herself from that past experience of her marriage that she had already gone through lowering those standards in the marriage. That's how she got to where she was. And she caught herself and realized, oh, no, let me go and bring these standards back up before I fall into that same cycle I've done before, which was allowing the guy to get rid of stuff or to get you at a point where they can, hey, throw your values out, throw your standards out, throw all of these things out. She caught herself. Now, what she has to be mindful of, though, is not to make herself so rigid in her standards that she misses out on an opportunity. Now, what that means is that she has to be a little bit flexible, but not lower them. And this is where people get in trouble, men and women get in trouble doing this. Now, it's commendable the work she's done on herself because a lot of women don't do this after divorce, after breakups. They go right into another relationship thinking that the next guy is gonna be better. Not looking introspectively and say, what did I do to contribute to the way I was treated? And this is what she's done. She's looked at herself, she made an honest assessment. She looked at the things that meant a lot to her, her child, five-year-old child. She looked at the fact that she had to reassert her values. She looked at the fact that she had to lift her standards back to where they were before she met him. She had to get her identity back because there was a part of her that she lost and she recognized this and now she's moving on. Now, what will more than likely happen with this lady, she will find a good man who will treat her right because she did the work. She made herself more marketable to more men in the future. So in essence, she's not gonna be one of these women that I would commonly meet and do commonly meet on a regular basis who are talking about men or this, men or that, they're so angry at the world. Because what she's done, she's dealt with her own anger. She's dealt with the relationship. She's put that relationship behind her. She took the lessons from it, learned from them. But what she didn't do was beat herself up and allow herself to stay in so long until she became a victim. She realized that, hey, I gotta get out of this marriage because I gotta save myself and save my child. And so she did so. Now, the problem is, and of course you got two sides to every story, right? But here's the thing that you have to look at. She's prepared herself so that the next man does not have to go through the VS he would have had she not gone to therapy, had she not worked on reasserting her identity, had she not worked on herself, she would have been a hot mess going into another hot mess. So kudos for her for recognizing that. And ladies, this right here is a good example of how to start redefining yourself, re-identifying what's important to you. And if you wind up lowering those standards again, of putting yourself in that same situation again, this is a heads up for you to say, hey, you know what? Tap yourself on the shoulder and say, let me wake up. I'm going back to the same old habits. Because sometimes we create patterns because if you've been in a relationship, like she's been married, I think 10 years or so, what happens then, you start to have this cycle, this routine, and your expectations are based on that routine. So if you're expected to be treated a certain way, even when you're out of that environment, you still think that people should treat you that way. And this is what she's realized. She's had the epiphany to say, well, you know what? Uh-uh, no more. It's done. I'm moving in another direction. I realized that the person I was before I went into this marriage wasn't the person that I was when I came out of it. And I need to go take the lessons that I've learned from that marriage apply them to my life so I'll be more aware and not only that reassert my identity with what I was before I met this person and so what this person has done what she's done here she has actually complimented herself with the knowledge and with the person that she was before so that when she goes into another relationship she's more aware and not only that she's more confident in who she is in the decisions she makes. Now you notice she said she knows what she does not want. 
However, one thing she had not mentioned was what she did want. See, you can't leave both of those out. You got to have both of them together. Because once you've done that, what you don't want is where you don't want to go in a relationship. But you also have to have what you do want to map out where you plan to go in a relationship with someone. So you have to have it on both sides of the equation to equal out. Because what happens then, it keeps you from doing what she just almost did at the end of that relationship by falling into that thing about, well, I don't want this, I don't want that. However, she may have met a man that may have met the criteria of what she didn't want to kind of uh, bring him out of the pack of all the other guys that were definitely what she didn't want. This guy may have made the qualifications of what she wanted, but the thing was, she hasn't established what she wants going forward. And with that, he would have to meet another standard. And so with that said, what would happen is she would go and she'll say, yeah, well, he made it through that filtering process. However, this is what I want in the relationship, but this is what he brings to the relationship. And you got to look at the disparity there. Is it something you could cope with? Is it something that you can deal with? But you notice what she did? She said she had to lower her standards for that guy just to fit in. And that's what would hurt her if she would have gone into another relationship with him. Because what that would have done was brought her back to close to where she was before when she got out of the relationship because of the habit. This is why many women get so angry at themselves when they make a mistake of choosing the wrong guy and staying in the relationship thinking it's going to get better with the wrong guy and it doesn't. And then they wind up in a situation where they've lost their identity, they've lost their self-respect, they've lost their integrity. And if they don't check that and really do a post-mortem on the relationship, give them some time to heal, to realize where they had also contributed to this person hurting them, these people will just be like romantic zombies going from one relationship into another without any kind of bearing whatsoever and finding themselves in the same situation they just left because they're so accustomed to the routine. And these routines go in different uh, categories. For instance, you have a person coming out of a marriage, 10 years, as an example. They start dating a new guy. Well, when they start dating this guy, they're trying to resume that relationship as they've done before, meaning that the first time they're intimate and have sex. She didn't have a condom used with her ex, so she may go with this guy without a condom because what she's looking for is a state of normalcy, a state that which she has left, she kind of wants that comfort. This lady, however, is more objective than that. And she's looking at these things and she's saying, okay, I can't fall into that lull that I did before. That lull of emotional thinking. And I know that's kind of contradictive when I say emotional thinking, but some people actually feel as though when they are emotional about things and make decisions based on their emotions, that that's thinking and it's not. So what happens, she goes forward and before you know it, She's in that same situation with this new guy. She's treating him just like she did her husband in so many ways. She starts to behave like she was still married to the ex. And this is what happens when women go unchecked. When they don't go and look at themselves and say, okay, how did I contribute? How did I make myself a victim in this situation? How did I leave myself so vulnerable? Now, again, I always say, it's always two sides to the story and you got a third which is the truth right he say she say in the truth what I would say in this situation she did an excellent job on herself just coming from her perspective and I think that more women need to probably look at maybe structuring their lives based on this when it comes down to coming out of relationships because it will help them a lot better than just going out thinking that the next guy is going to be the Messiah, thinking that the next relationship is going to do it for them, 
thinking that they could go and correct the past in the future with this new guy. It doesn't work that way. Every individual is different. Every, every experience that you have with that individual will be different. And when you start trying to boilerplate your relationships, that's when you're going to get into trouble because you're going to be treated the same way you've treated, been treated before. But now one thing she has to also realize, and I'm sure her therapist covered it with her, and that was the fact that he probably had her look at, or she probably had her look at, how do you feel about yourself? That was probably the motivation to get her to reassert herself in a way where she could go and say, this is who I am, I've defined myself, I'm ready to go on. This lady right here can answer those four questions that I ask. Who are you? What's your purpose? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your intentions? I guarantee you this lady could answer those questions without batting an eye. I bet you this lady right here will look for character, behavior, situation that person's in, and be prepared for any X factors that's coming along. Now, is she perfect? No. But the thing is, she has done the, she has done the work on herself in order to get to a place where she is proud to be who she is. She's re-self-identified. So in that way, she'll make better decisions going forward in the future. She's recognizing things that she would have let slide had she met this new guy years ago. He would have just replaced where the husband was. So in that way, she was very, very aware. Kudos to you, ma'am. You did a good job. Bravo, bravo. More in a moment, folks. Don't forget to listen to Jowson's original EDM, techno, and house music tracks on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Just search for Jowson J-A-U-S-A-N for the playlist. Also, you may go to YouTube and search for Jowson Topic. Enjoy. want to know because I, I i have too many clients too many male clients that are married ladies married women i want y'all to get on here and i want you to explain to me because this doesn't make sense to me because if i was married my husband would get this cooch like i'm lost how are y'all in the house with your husband two and three months at a time and ain't putting out i just talked to my friend who said that him and his wife have had sex once this year it's the 12th of february it's like i don't <laughs> What? And if y'all need to communicate, if he ain't turning you on, tell him. If he ain't smelling amazing, tell him. But to deprive him, deprive yourself, deprive y'all, I, I don't understand it. And I'm not married. Like, I don't understand. Like, and if I was married, I wouldn't understand. Like, so please, please, just please enlighten me. Don't come down on me. I just want to understand as an unmarried because this is actually why the wives be getting cheated on. Like, how are y'all not doing the one thing they locked y'all down to do? That's the most important lockdown part. The food and the Aww. I hate to say it, but this is the stereotypical response you'll get from a single woman. Unfortunately, this is not the answer. Feeding him and fucking him is not a solution to anything. If he hasn't had sex with a woman in one year, there are some other problems that he didn't disclose. You're only hearing one side of the story. There are three sides. His side, her side, and the truth. Now, the other thing you need to consider is, what if she caught him cheating? And she's cut him off for a year. Or until he has met some other requirement for her to feel comfortable to be with him again. Didn't think about that problem. Because it could very well be that he went out, stepped out of the marriage, the woman's afraid for her safety, her health, and therefore she shuts intimacy down. She doesn't want to be hurt. She feels betrayed. She's put a lot of equity into the man. And for him to give it away to another woman is crushing. Now, the problem for a lot of women is when a man cheats with another woman, a lot of times women think that, oh, he's falling in love with her. He's giving her the same kind of uh, creative license when it comes to romance that he's given his wife or girlfriend. 
that's not always the case. And smarter women figure this out early because they know that he may be with this woman, he gets caught, that woman is jettisoned. He doesn't care about her anymore. This is what many wives who've been in relationships with guys who have cheated on them multiple times, this is the way they approach it. I'm the hallmark, he's gonna come to me, he's gonna be with me, he's mine. That other heifer or that other woman or that other whatever you wanna call her, she's just out there in the streets. Now, here is the thing though. The side piece does have a lot of pull. And a lot of times people fail to realize this. It's a difference if he's just sleeping with this woman and that's it. If he's at a point where he's establishing a bridged relationship with this woman, that's a whole different animal. Now, a bridged relationship means that you're in a full-blown relationship with your partner, you're in a marriage, for instance. And that bridge is that person who can compensate for the shortcomings with their partner. What do I mean by this? Take for instance, your partner is kind of strict on their beliefs, strict on not giving oral sex, strict on things such as talking about religion all the time. It could be anything that is annoying to that male partner. As well as female partner, you can reverse and go with a female partner that way. What happens then, that individual is looking for relief. They want to be intimate with someone, but they don't want to have the baggage and the overhead of dealing with all of the other things that come with it. So they edit the relationship in a way where you don't talk about certain things because it would just start an argument. And then you wind up having sex together, but it's not meaningful sex because it's more of a obligatory sex. And you're not really passionate about each other because you have some of those things that are still lingering issues in the relationship or the marriage festering. And you're not putting your whole emotions into it because you're still thinking, hey, I still have doubt in my head about us. Now, that man that goes out and gets with that other woman that he is starting to bridge that relationship with, what he is doing at this point, he is laying firm ground so that he'll have a place to land. Now, what this means is he's going to purge to this other woman. He's going to tell her every flaw that you have, everything he doesn't like about you. The reason why he's doing this is so that he can mold this new woman to not be you. That's the key. Now, she may have the same physical characteristics as you do, because usually men will make a choice on a woman based on certain physical characteristics that they like. A man will marry a woman who has big breasts if he's into big breasts, big butts if he's into big butts, small breasts if he's into small breasts. These are uh, cosmetic things that some men will go and have a preference for and therefore pursue a woman with those uh, characteristics. However, this other woman that he may get with is a person that has those same physical characteristics and also someone who he feels as though I can tell this person these things about my situation with my wife that will create an ally and that will be a safe haven. Now the side piece, if she's smart, what she's going to do is control the relationship, control him and he will control his wife or girlfriend. In other words, she's priority, the wife gets excuses. Whenever a person, whether you're a man or a woman, prioritize something, everybody else gets excuses as the reason why they couldn't measure up to certain standards. Now, here's the thing. That side piece is looking at it from the standpoint, I don't want to break him. And breaking him means she doesn't want to put him in a position where he's about to lose his marriage. She doesn't want to go there with it. She wants the wife to take on the liabilities associated with him. She doesn't want to have to deal with that part of the relationship. She's cherry picking. The only thing she wants are the good, happy moments with him. So she wants the wife to do the work. She enjoys the benefit. That's the way it works. What he is doing is being the conduit between 
siphoning resources from the wife and the family and the household to her. Now, she's not going to be greedy in most cases if she's wise. What she's going to do is to just push him enough to provide the things that will make her comfortable by being with him. Now, the mistress or side piece always have an option. That option is to leverage her being single, especially if she's single, to go for a single man. That's a threat to the married man that's really, or the man that's in a relationship to really do better. That incentivizes him to do more of the things that the side piece wants done. Now, she's not going to make any demands that's going to jeopardize his marriage. She's not going to go there because it's not going to work out for herself or the wife. So, in essence, what she's going to do is to keep everything where it's copacetic. Where what happens? He goes, keeps everything normal at home like it should be. And yet, she's going to enjoy the benefit of knowing that not only do I have her husband, we're living in the same realm of possibilities. So he's going out doing this, that, and the third for his wife. He's going to feel as though he needs to do something in order to keep this mistress happy as well. And so he can't go full bore like he does with his wife, but he could make an effort that would be more than adequate for the side piece. And that's what she wants. Now, the where guys get in trouble a lot of times when they're dealing with side pieces is they get with someone who's insecure. And she wants to replace the wife. She wants to be the wife. She wants to confront the wife. She wants to show off like, hey, I got him too. This is what many men fear. Because once she gets to that point of insecurity, she's willing to do anything. Show up at her job. Tell her off. Maybe wait outside the parking lot for her to tell her a thing or two about her husband. It's because of the fact that she wants him now because she's at that point. Confident side pieces don't do that. They don't have to because they pull the strings at a distance. They set the standards for that guy and they make sure that the guy can meet them. She's not going to do like she would with a single guy where she could go and request the world from him and he'll jump because that guy's not a challenge to her because he'll do anything she says. She knows there are limitations and constraints with the married guy. And those are challenges for her because there are certain things that he'll say no to and she will still feel as though, okay, I know the limits of my power with him. And it's intriguing because at that point, she realizes that she doesn't have a pushover. This is the reason why a lot of these side pieces go on Ashley Madison and other sites and specifically look for married men. They want the benefit of what this woman has done by choosing, the wife has done by choosing a good man. And she's saying to herself, the mistress, well, hell, since she chose a good man and I've probably messed up in the past, choosing a lot of broke jerks, I'm going to get with me this married man also so I can enjoy the benefits that the wife is enjoying to some capacity. These married men usually provide more than a lot of these single guys for these single side pieces. That's the reason why they stay with them. They have no intentions of him leaving the marriage. They have no intentions of him ever getting to a point of saying, I love you or whatever. She wants to keep it at a distance because the weight of her clout with this man is the fact that she can leave him at any time. Now, there's a difference when it comes to other side pieces. There are some that look the total opposite of the wife or girlfriend. Now, at this point, they really don't like who they're with. I looked at one study, 65% of men that cheat usually get a woman that has the physical characteristics of his wife or girlfriend. However, that 35% actually go for the opposite because that means that there's a good possibility they don't want to have anything to do with anything associated with their current partner as far as externally. They don't want to be reminded that they're cheating. So they get with a woman of a different race, different size, different hair color, different whatever. 
because in that way it makes them feel as though I don't have to feel guilty being with this woman. She doesn't have the characteristics of my partner or spouse. She's somebody that's different. And so therefore, he's enthused by this. This keeps him going. He can do more things with this person, things that he couldn't do with his current partner because he wanted a vacation from the relationship. That's what it comes down to. Now, this is not to justify cheating by no stretch, but what I'm doing is giving you the dynamics of it so that you kind of understand a little bit better how this goes. Now, another thing. The woman who is needy and doesn't have anything that he winds up cheating with is the worst for most guys. She's the woman that's constantly in need. She needs bills paid. She needs all kinds of things such as that, just the basic operational functions in her household she needs help with. Guys don't stay with these women long. They don't cheat with them long. So ladies, when you hear your man say, after you catch him cheating, oh yeah, well she meant nothing to me. That was because she was a liability. She provided sex and intimacy and that was it. But he would look at it as another bill, more money he would have to shell out. See, with that side piece that can take care of herself, who can pay her own bills, she's not going to ask him for operational things because that would ruin the good thing that she already has going on. So what she's going to do instead is have him acknowledge her birthday, holidays, those kind of things, and understand that he has family obligations, so she's not going to be so hard on him because she looks at it, I can get more longevity out of the relationship with fewer demands than I could coming in there demanding that he does all these things like he's my man. Because one thing that the woman who's a little bit wiser as a side piece doesn't want to do, she doesn't want to blow the lifestyle for the wife or herself because she's actually piggybacking off of the wife's lifestyle. And she don't want to blow that. That other needy woman would blow it because he'll start doing things like going into debt, not being able to pay his own mortgage, running short on the car payment, taking money out of the household, and being noticed about it. That other woman that's going to be a little bit more sophisticated about it, she's going to structure it so that she's not detected. And that's the key. And not only that, what that also tells the guy is that woman that's needy who's asking for all these things from him just like he's her man, she doesn't give a damn about it. She don't care if he gets caught. She don't care if his marriage is ruined. The other woman is concerned about keeping his marriage intact. Because it's good for her. And it makes no sense to blow a good thing. Now, on the other side of the equation, you have women who do this. But women structure their cheating patterns a little bit differently. They instead or try to work it out with the spouse. They'll go through that period of partner. They'll go through that period of questioning their own moral judgment. Men go on opportunity. Women go on emotional abandonment. And that's the difference. Because see, with a man, if he has the opportunity to be with a woman that he liked, that looks like the same kind of woman he got dissed by in high school, and at 35 or 40 he has a chance to talk to this woman, He's going to go all out for her. Now, if she's reciprocal in her interest in him, then what he's going to do, he's going to make sure he tries to keep her. This is where a lot of guys who are messing around with side pieces become the fool. When they don't care about the marriage, don't care about the relationship, they don't care about getting caught, and they're with a woman that's only going to meet it out a bit, and then she probably will tell him something like, you need to go back to your wife because she sees that he's reckless. A good side piece is going to look at him and going to lay down the rules up front. If you're going to be with me, you're not going to disrespect your wife. You're going to have everything going normal. We could go and kick it and have fun, but I don't want you to mess up anything at the household. I should never come in contact with your wife at any given time. She should never call here. She should never show up at my house. She should never show up at my job. 
She's going to have a list of requirements that he's going to have to meet. And he's going to do it because she's structured. But a lot of these women will let a guy come up into their lives and they don't care. They're reckless. They don't care if the wife knows where they are. He gets on the phone bragging about she's better than you. I love her. Those women, good side pieces, don't want that kind of dude because it's going to bring drama to her doorstep. She don't want that. She wants it where she is basically stealth, invisible, undetected. That's her comfort zone. Now, with women who cheat, they will usually wait. If they're in a relationship, they'll wait, try to work it out with the spouse. Let them know that, hey, things are not working out. You need to spend more time with me, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't do it. She contemplates getting into another relationship, but she's not really sure about doing it. She meets a guy. They get to talking. It gets to a point where she's having a cerebral affair with him, meaning that he's stimulating in his conversation. He's engaging. And then she gets to a point of purging to him about some of the things that her man's not doing for her. She gets that that affirmation from him. She gets that reference that, hey, if, you know, if I was him, I would not do this. I would do this because you're too good of a woman to just let him, let you just go away like that. And then she can see herself with an emotional affair with him. She envisions herself with him. And at that point, she hits that other choke point. The first choke point, of course, is to see whether or not she should go outside the relationship. The second choke point is when she finds someone and she's at that point where she does want to be intimate with him. And she's debating between her morality, her commitment, her obligation, and her personal satisfaction. Now, for many women, this is a tip-over. Guys know this. I would meet a lot of women and this is where I would be with them. I've had married women tell me after talking and conversations with them, you know, if I didn't have this ring on my finger and had those wedding vows, we'd be in a hotel tonight. And there have been other situations where it was like, I want to go to your place. Because the thing is, they haven't been heard by their man. They don't feel respected. They feel as though they have been left behind in the relationship. He's moved on. She's still there. It's the way she feels. And almost all of the women have always told me, even though I'm in a relationship, I feel like the loneliest person on the face of the earth. So she goes and maybe becomes intimate with the guy the first time. She likes the way she feels. She likes the way he makes her feel. He reassures her that, hey, you know, anytime you want to drop by, just let me know. And now she's at that point where she has that level of comfort. Someone who appreciates her. Someone who's not telling her she's fat. Someone who's not telling her that, you know, she's got stretch marks on her abdomen. Someone who is not looking at her in a critical sense. And she feels as though this is the decision she should have made in the beginning before she married her spouse. When she gets to that point, she's starting to get emotionally close. Then you got the third choke point for a woman. And that is, how long should this continue? Now, usually, most married women will tell the guy they're cheating with up front, hey, this is not going to be a situation that's going to be long term. They're going to make it where they have limitations. And they're doing that for their own benefit more so than the guy's benefit. You know, they'll try to make it seem as though I'm doing this so that you don't fall in love with me and you don't go after me and pursue me. But in actuality, she's saying that for herself. Because she's still trying to pinch herself to remind herself that she's still married or she's still in the relationship. And she knows good and well that if she goes past the point of no return, she's going for divorce. And that's the last thing she wants to do. So what happens a lot of times in these kind of situations is this. 
she will try to go back to her marriage and preempt a divorce on his part. Try to get him to be the one to make the decision to leave her. She may start slacking up on some of the duties at the house, not having sex with him anymore. Well, partially because she's had sex with this new guy. And she doesn't want to kind of mix things up. Because at this point, the leverage that the husband had is now outweighed by the leverage of the guy she's sleeping with, the new guy. And so she's hoping that he will throw his hands up in the relationship and say, hey, you know what? Let's go and get divorced. That would be music to her ears. Because at that point, that's her out. She's not the bad guy. She doesn't have to assume all of the guilt by herself. Because he's the one that wanted the divorce. Even though she cheated on him, the way she looks at it from that standpoint is, is canceled out. Her guilt is canceled out by his going for the divorce. And the justification is, he cheated on me, and I returned a favor. But I returned a favor because I was emotionally abandoned. Now, rarely will women do this unless they are sure that the new guy is ready for her to fall into his arms. A lot of times, nine times out of ten, I think only 25% of women leave their husbands that have extramarital affairs. Only 25%. The majority go back. They usually cut the affair off after, I think it's within six months, I read one stat. So what you have to remember is this. A lot of times, fellas, if you wind up with a married woman, which I don't suggest, you're going to wind up with her for about six months on average before she cuts everything off. Because, see, she has to cut everything off before she gets too emotionally involved with you. Because once she does that, once she falls in love with you, she's going to be a fool for you, which means that she's going to become very sloppy. Usually when women start out cheating, they're very precise, very detail-oriented. They're going to be like they're planning out a damn ops mission. They're going to have the girlfriends to cover for them. They're going to meet you at a clandestine location. They're going to have everything really under wraps. The husband will not even notice half the time. However, when she's fallen for you, it's a whole different strategy. At that point, she's more concerned about losing you than saving her marriage. And so she's willing to go out on that extra limb for you. At that point, she doesn't care. Now, depending on to the magnitude of how she falls for you, there are some women out there that fall for a guy so hard that they will be willing to give the husband custody of the kids. He could take the house, take the divorce. She just wants to be away from him and with this new guy. But the new guy has to realize if she's willing to fall that hard for him, what if she does that with someone else? You always had that probability. And that's what you have to think about. So you might not have won a prize, you might have worn, won a situation where you may be dealing with a liability you didn't expect. So, as you can see, this thing can expand in different directions on both sides of the equation. But it still comes down to the fundamental thing. The young lady is under the assumption that food and fucking is the resolution and is not necessarily. There are a lot of other extenuating circumstances associated with a man and a woman dealing with a relationship. It would be nice if it's that simple, but it's not. More in a moment, folks. used to go with two best friends. Yes, she did. One time I messed around and walked in Mama's room and one of the best friends, uh, they had Mama dying on, 
uh, mama would die like on like, like on her knee like on the knees hands and knees and and uh, and uh, one of the best friends he was standing in front of mama and the other big best friend he was standing behind mama and everybody was moving around got moving around so uh, so I heard him ran out of there and mama called my name told me to come back come here you know and she said. We just some friends. We're not having fun. And I said, okay, mama. I said, well, she said, don't you say nothing nobody about that. I said, I won't. And so this is the first time ever I'm telling that story all these years later, man. My mama and two best friends. All right, let's talk about living post-COVID. Many of you were isolated throughout 2020 into 2021. And you're starting to start to venture out now in 2022 more freely. You learned a lot about yourself during that time. You learned how you dealt with isolation. You started to realize that you had a different perspective of yourself after this crisis was at least maintained in some capacity. Of course, a lot of us were fearful. We kind of approached this thing in 2019 going into 2020 as if it was something that was unknown, but it was not really so much of a problem. Uh, And it was largely due to the perception given by the current administration at that particular time. Current administration at that particular time. Of course, we now became a little bit more educated about what the threat was and now we are a little bit more at ease. Now during that time however, many of us were locked down, afraid to come in contact with each other spent a considerable amount of time doing things online, from school all the way to dating starting up relationships and many of you started relationships that ended right there online After the crisis started to lighten up a bit, out of sight, out of mind. And some of these people would have really liked to have met you. And you just used that as a stopgap because you were bored, you were lonely, something to do. And now that you've gotten back into the swing of things now, those people are relevant, as you may think. Now, the hard truth is, is this. You have to ask yourself, just as, quick as, just as quickly as you could attach yourself and detach yourself from those people that you probably will never meet, some you've uh, chatted with online for a pretty good considerable amount of time, you've gotten a bond with in a way, in a way you've maybe have exposed some of your vulnerabilities, but now you're at that point where you don't want to meet that person because you're too embarrassed by what you've shared with them. Some of you have closed your accounts, changed your account names, these things, started up new dating apps. You want to forget the past. And the way you look at it, even though you're going through that crisis and you were at a low point in your perception of what was going to happen in the future, you started up something online with this person. I think you just threw it in the trash because that had to go just like everything negative had to go in your past in regards to that period of COVID when we had lockdown. A lot of you have actually jettisoned a lot of good relationships and potential good people in your lives in exchange for going back to the traditional way of meeting people. Well, you got to meet them, figure them out, wonder whether or not they're legit, and you've known more about some of the people you've met online then you would ever get a chance to know about the people you meet face to face. Now, a lot of people don't look at it that way, but that's one perspective. People are more comfortable being who they are online than they are in person. They can let out those demons and they could also let out the vulnerabilities. Now, things that they would do online that they would never do in public. Discussions, conversations that you would have that you would never have with a person meeting them face to face. Now, with this, what you have to ask yourselves, 
I was willing to disclose all of these things to a total stranger. However, when it comes to someone that I would really like to have in my life, I would conceal those very same things that I exposed online to somebody that I didn't know. Oops. That happens. Now, another thing you have to look at too is this. A lot of you created relationships, new relationships during that period of time that have now evolved into marriages, engagements, friendships. People you never thought in a million years you would communicate with. And now you find yourself attracted to that person, caring about that person, loving that person. These things happen naturally human dynamic. Now, under other circumstances, you probably wouldn't have met that individual. Some of you wound up sleeping with your neighbors because, hey, you were locked down. Nobody was able to trust anyone else for the most part because we didn't know the capacity of this virus. And so you went with the things that worked for you. A lot of you created friends with benefits relationships. You've written in about these things. During that period of time, you were screwing people that you normally wouldn't screw. That would be in the friend zone. But you didn't want to take that risk with someone else. And now you've gotten a little liking for that person. And you don't know whether or not you're going to pursue it. And this is what we're going to talk about here. A lot of you have gotten in relationships due to the COVID crisis. And now that you're in them, You're questioning now, since things have opened up, did I make the best choice? What you have to remember is, just because things have opened up doesn't mean people do. So you're dealing with a situation where a lot of us have gone through this. You've had to really rethink your life in some cases. Rethink your priorities, rethink your career. Some of you have changed careers because you realize, hey, what the hell was I doing working for $10 an hour when I go to Amazon and work for $17? And you're starting now to realize that you have a self-worth. Others of you had an epiphany and realized that you were in a relationship that was going nowhere. And when you actually got locked down with your partner, you realized how incompatible you two were. But you didn't realize it because you had all these other external factors that impeded that incompatibility. You had work. You had school in some cases. You had children. So you never really had a chance to have that whole situation in a one-on-one closed space environment. And many of you realize, hey, this is not for me. But in the beginning, when things were normal, everything was fine. But you realized that you really didn't like your partner. And some of you didn't like yourselves. There were parents that didn't like their children. They were on social media and television talking about how they can't wait for the schools to open because their kids are driving them crazy. There was one parent in particular, I'll never forget this news clip. I tried to find it and I couldn't. But she was actually crying because she didn't know what to do with her kids. Because when they were small, she could better manage them. But now that they've gotten older and they can ask questions and they can talk back and they can be more inquisitive and objective, the parent didn't want to deal with that. The parent wanted the child to be back in school, wanted the children to be back in school because they didn't want a parent. What they wanted to do was have children to feel good. And this lady had hit a wall to sit there and become frustrated and go to tears because she had to do homeschool. She had to actually spend time with her children and that's what she actually hated. And she didn't want to admit that, but that's what it came down to. So she went through that whole traditional thing of getting married and having children 
as a facade. Underneath, she wasn't ready to become a mother. She wasn't really ready to become a wife. And she wasn't isolated because there are a lot of couples that wound up understanding that they didn't belong together after COVID. Because they never had been in a crisis situation where their relationship actually depended on their character. And now they see the true character of their partner. And they realize, damn, what was I thinking? So in this post-COVID world, and I'm just going to use that as just a label, it's not something that's factual because we're still dealing with COVID, even though we seem to have kind of gotten to a place where it's not such a threat anymore, but it's still there. We're starting now to be more objective in our thinking. Some people are realizing that going back to the, to the traditional thought, damn, got tongue-tied there, to the traditional thought of doing what they did in the past is not working. You're noticing that people now on dating sites and dating scenes are not so patient to wait. Because a lot of people realize how close they came to their mortality being in jeopardy. And so now what they're looking at is, I'm not going to waste my time waiting on someone because a virus can come around and take me out and I didn't enjoy life. So they have a whole new twist on life, a whole new perspective. And so they're not sitting around waiting to sit and wait for someone to make a decision on them or sit and wait for someone to break up another relationship in order to get with them. They don't have time. Because, see, what you have to remember in our culture, as well as, well as Western culture, time is a premium. In Asia, hmm, you may have a meeting at 2 o'clock and may not have that meeting until 4. But, see, we equate time with money. That can work against us and that can work for us. But in any case... We're at a point now where we have now become a little bit more focused in the decisions we make, more so than we were pre-pandemic. People are redefining themselves. They're realizing what they want out of life, and they realize what they don't want out of life. You have other people who may not like themselves so well, and they're trying to disguise themselves in other ways now trying to identify themselves independent of others because they don't like what they see in the mirror every day. That's the reason why you have all these different sexual classifications, all these different genders, all these different sexual orientations because they don't like what they saw. It has to do with them, and that's where it starts. There was a lady, she was 45 years of age, heterosexual, has been married now for, I think, 12 years at the time. And after the pandemic with her husband, she found it that she wanted to be with a woman. Now, it's not that she had an epiphany that she was a lesbian or anything of that sort. What she realized was that what her husband had been giving her all those years didn't measure up to what she needed. And I don't mean just in the bedroom. I'm talking about emotionally, intimately. She stayed late one evening with a female co-worker. And that female co-worker had just gotten out of a marriage. And they had dinner together after work. And at that point, she went over to her apartment and the two of them made love. Both of these were heterosexual women. And she wrote me because she didn't understand the dynamic of how she is a housewife 
for the most part, and a person who had a job, could wind up with another woman. And she wasn't into women. And what I had to explain to her was that what she was missing was that emotional interaction that she had had with her husband that had long left the marriage. And not only that, her perception was, well, it would be easier if he were to find out that I was with another woman, he won't take it as hard. Now, the thing to keep in mind, folks, a lot of people realized that they were lonely. And they found other people to fill that void. The one lady who wrote me, her next door neighbor, she and that guy couldn't get along for the life of them. And then they started to talk to each other. Then they became intimate. Then they moved in together. Over all those years of being adversaries, situations, environments, conditions will have an impact on a person's perception of themselves and what's important to them. Think I'm kidding about that. Think about the urban street life in Chicago as an example. Where these young kids value sneakers, Jordans. That's an environmental value associated with a material thing. Now, would a guy in, we'll say, Dana Point, California, want to shoot another kid over those same sneakers or those same shoes? More than likely not. Because that kid in Dana Point could afford them. So it's not a status symbol. That person in Chicago may have a hard time getting those type of shoes. So the values change. And this is what we contend with on a regular basis. Assessing the values as we have these changes and undergo them these values that are important to us. And it goes in many directions. There was one lady that wrote, she had started chatting with this guy online on Snapchat for about a couple of months. Well, eventually he lost his job. She still had the apartment and she says, hey, you can come and crash here. He goes over, takes her up on the offer. She loses her job. The two of them are trying to work with the landlord. Landlord can't kick him out because of the moratorium. And throughout this time, they realize that, hey, you know what? Why are we trying to hustle and try to get a job when they're laying us off? Let's take our unemployment money and let's try to put something together. And so they did. They started an online store. And they started making more money than the both of them made combined while they were working. And Melody, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. And this is what happens. This is the way it goes. You never know what kind of situation will lead to the situation that you'll wind up in. But the one thing that you can't do that I highly don't recommend is to let life take you by the throat and kick you in the ass all the way through it. Because it doesn't have to. These people who bury their heads in the sand, I don't want to listen to the news. It's all negative. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen to that. What starts to happen is they start to live in a vacuum. And when they're faced in the real world with things going on, as they are, it's overwhelming to them. They don't know how to handle it, so they go back in that cocoon. A lot of you who realized that you were with the wrong partner during COVID and you divorced or you got in another situation began to realize that, hey, shit is happening out here that I missed out on. 
I feel alive again. I can breathe again. What was I thinking? They're out of touch. So folks, if you don't get anything out of this particular segment, one thing I want you to get out. I want you to look at some of the things that have changed in you since COVID. How have you modified your thinking, your dating habits, your relationship? Has it worked out for the better or the worse? Did you find certain things you needed to work on in your marriage and relationship? Did you find some things that really are commendable that has come about since your relationship? Your partner has exemplified excellent character, for instance. Or where you guys have realized, hey, you know what? We're paying too much to live in California. Let's move somewhere where we can really afford and we can live instead of struggle, as an example. Many of you had. So, that's the thing you have to keep in mind. Well, anyway, folks, I want you to have a good one. I love you. I want you to take care. And we have one more segment coming up after this. Stay tuned. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.